Cloud wrote a book, How People Grow, and they talk about a basic uh, four models that Christianity has held in, in regards to, to spiritual growth. Uh, no one of them by themselves is correct, and no one of them by themselves is wrong, but it's easy to get caught up into a way of doing things. And uh, what we're going to look at, certainly over the first couple weeks, is our spiritual growth is much more, organic, uh, much more organic than we think. He talked about the four models. first one he gave was uh, just what he called the sin model. Uh, the sin model is basically all, all your problems are a result of your sin. And it's easy to, to, to get in a place where like, every problem that comes up in life seems to illustrate another sin that is still in your life. And so you just need to sin. Or when you sin, you need to repent and sin no more. How's that working for you? There's the truth model. The truth model just very simply says that uh, you memorize enough truth and the truth will set you free. Which really is difficult when you're in a time of depression and you're just trying to find the right scripture to get you out of depression. Then there's the experience model. I would say the majority of Christians and certainly children experience the, this experience model of growth is that, that basically that whenever you have pain in your life, you need to come to God and get rid of that pain. Here's where it's illustrated in most people's lives and maybe even your life. You get saved over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because it's an experience to you. So in this model of growth, if you get saved the right way enough times, then it's going to stick and you're going to be okay. And then there's the model that I grew up in. The model that I grew up in was the supernatural model. The supernatural model, and I, and I, I over the years, I get knocks for not doing the model, this model in the church more. The, the supernatural model just very simply says, come to the altar and leave it with Jesus and go back and, and you're, you're perfectly fine. You're, you're not, you're not going to have that problem. You're going to grow just by coming to the altar. So when I was growing up, there was altar time Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And, and certainly there's, there have been powerful moves of God that has been transformative and life, in, in, in life impactful in these moments at the altar. And it's not that even the altar is a bad thing. But we tend to get stuck in this model of the way growth happens, and we really miss what God is trying to do in the process. Because all of a sudden, God's process doesn't fit in your eyes model. And again, not that any of these are bad, but if you get stuck, anytime you get stuck, your growth gets stunted. So we're going we're gonna to give a, a, a spiritual, a series connect point that we're going to keep coming back to every week as we look at the growth, uh, the growth series. And here's the, here's the, the series connect for you. Spiritual growth is not what you do, but it's what you discover. Spiritual growth is not what you do, but what you discover. Now, some of you are already going religious on me in your hearts already. I can just sense it right off the bat. You're like, well, we got to do something. Well, let me just give you just a, just a one word straight from the God of heaven. Relax. Okay. I don't believe in evolution, and I don't believe in spiritual evolution. But spiritual growth is really about what you discover and not what you do. And so what we'll do is we'll, we'll have a moment, and it'll always come under the connect point. We'll, we'll always have a moment that I believe the Lord wants each of us to discover something. 
And when we discover something, something happens. I, Peter wrote it this way in 2 Peter. He said, now I, I like the way the message brings it out. He just says, closing out the, the letter, he says, Grow in grace and an understanding of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace is not something that you learn about in a book. For, for Moses, he found grace all along the way, but when I think about Moses' life, I, he, he understood God. He understood the characteristics of God because he had an interaction with God. He had a, a, a place where God had kind of pointed him toward his destiny of leading the people of Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians. But what you find in the, in the desert when they get out of Egypt and the armies of Egypt are behind them and the sea is before them, he just said that because this is understanding of God. He says, just let's stop and watch the hand of God. Just watch God deliver us. And God, he understood Moses had something to discover. So he says, no, get moving. Get moving. And he gets up to the sea. And the moment he takes his rod and he puts it over the sea, he discovers grace. Because grace opened up a pathway that had not yet been considered because it seemed impossible. And so grace... And growing in that grace has everything to do with discovery. Even understanding Jesus has more to do with discovery than just reading the Bible. Because if you're not careful, you can read the Bible and you, you can read all about Jesus in the book. And you close the book and you've kept him in the book. But when you understand that Jesus is not bound by pages then now you move from a place of knowing about Jesus to actually knowing Jesus. So I want you to say this series, uh, connect with me one time together. You ready? Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Uh, say it with, with means as I'm saying it, you can say it too. Because it's up there. Uh, and the handwriting is you know, pretty easy to read. Okay, you ready? Spiritual growth is not what you do, but what you discover. All right, let's read the scripture together. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26. And he, being Jesus, said, the kingdom of God is as if. Now, I want to stop right there for a moment. Because he's, he's giving a principle here that, that not the kingdoms of this world, not the American way, and not even the better earthly way called Texas... I figured there are a good number of amens. Those ways are not the kingdom's way. There's a different way. There's, there, there, are, there are laws. When I, when I came to Texas, I, I don't know what I was really concerned about. I was even concerned about my Harley when I moved to, to Texas. Not because of traffic. Not because, you know, people were going to put little notes on my desk. None of that stuff. I was concerned because it was loud. I didn't know, I didn't know what the laws in Texas were. I, if, being a guy that likes motorcycles, I want to be seen and heard. But then I found out it was Texas and I was able to relax. When you become a follower of Jesus, you step into his life and that's a kingdom life. And that kingdom life is different than any other way that we have known before. And so Jesus gives these stories. When I was, when I was a, a semi-little rich, I was probably 10, 11, or 12. This time of year when I grew up, we were, we were not back in school yet. Before we ever went back to school, before summer had ended, it was, the, it was the county fair. And I loved going to the county fair. 
And so much so that I found out that if I would enter something into the county fair, I could get a wristband that would give me access to the fr fair free every day. Now, I had no money to spend when I went into the, went into the fair, but it was, still, it was still a lot of fun. So what was I going to enter? Well, I went to my dad, and we had a couple acres, and I said, Dad, I need a part of our acreage to, to plant a garden because I'm going to enter vegetables into the garden or into the, into the fair. And so I went and I worked thing. And you know what I was going to enter into the fair? You know what I wanted to grow out of my garden? I wanted to grow pickles. Uh, you know, pickles don't pop up out of the ground. But that's how people approach Christianity. They think, well, I'm going to do this, and this is just, boop, going to pop up, and it's going to be okay. And everything's gonna... But it doesn't work that way. That's not how the kingdom works, which is why Jesus, when you read in the scriptures, Jesus starts off with the kingdom of heaven is as if. So here's this principle that he gives. He says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises, uh, and rises night and day. Or excuse me, as if the God should, and he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces it by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, if you are, if you are like this Bible study kind of person, and you were to read about this in any commentary, they, they basically say there's probably four different interpretations that you can take for this one scripture. So I'm not up here and trying to convince you of any particular way to interpret this scripture. But the reality is, is there's some basics in this scripture that regardless of whether who the, the sower of the seed is, who's the receiver of the seed, all that stuff, all, doesn't really matter. Because there's a thing about growth found in this. And so we're going to look at just these three areas in, this, in, a, in, in it this morning. The connect really has to do with awareness. Say that word, awareness. The grow has everything to do with access. Say access. And then, of course, the, uh, the go has everything to do with activity. And so this access, here's where, uh, or excuse me, in the, in the awareness, this is where I want to give you the, the connect today. Uh, the connect, and this is the, this place where you discover something. And the discovery here is simply, it's not what you fix, but what you find. It's not what you fix, but what you find. After, that, after the guy goes out and he starts throwing that seed out there, and it's under the ground, it's under the ground. It's something you got to find. It's already down there. And the moment you said yes to Jesus, his life entered into you. I get this. And so there's this, this dynamic of spiritual growth that has everything to do with finding Jesus. It's a discovery. Now, the basics of the gospel message has everything to do with awareness. It's everything to do with this, this finding. It's, it's, it's the moment that you found out, if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll really, you'll really connect with this quick. It's the moment you realize that you were... You were steeped in sin, and you were separated and apart from God. You became aware of that. 
There, there are many people who are, they're, they're dead in their sins, blind as all get out, and they're attempting to lead other people, right? Jesus said, right into a ditch. But when you, when you recognize, when you become aware, there isn't anything in that moment that you could fix. This is the great mystery of the gospel. This is why, this is why people struggle with, with it because we're so quick to say it's something I have to do. It's something that, that I have to fix. I don't know how many people over the years that I've talked to about the gospel message that they, they say, well, I just, I've got to be able to fix this before I can come to God. They're still not aware that there is nothing that you can do to fix the problem of sin. I'm, I'm a big science fiction guy, and, and, and when, you, when you read science fiction or you, you watch any kind of science fiction movies, the, the whole premise of science fiction is that mentally we could get to the place where we are smart enough to fix all the problems in the world. And there are Christians that believe, somewhat because of the truth model, that, that, boy, if I just get smart enough, I can fix. I can fix the sin issue. I can fix this problem. I could fix the iniquity. But when you understand that you became separated from God and you departed from his original intent for your life, then you start looking for an answer. And so Jesus is, is the answer. So where now you, you, start, you start understanding the sin and the separation, but it doesn't long for long that you begin to recognize that there is a substitution. And here's the thing. You're not the substitution. You're not the substitution. Jesus is the substitution. If you've read the Old Testament, you can see how an angry God reacts to people's sin. And it's not good. It isn't good. I, more and more, uh, uh, Bill and I were talking about this this week. I, I, listen, I, he's, he, he prays and then he watches the news for, for the answer to prayer to happen. That's what I love about Bill. Me, I'm just, I'm not, that, I'm not like him. That, he's a different gift than I am. And so for me, I, I may just glance at the news, but if I'm in the news very long, I recognize that, man, we're in trouble. In fact, then I start to, the Dutch side of me gets involved, then I get angry. And then here's how I overcome that. I just, whoever is making me angry on the news, I just say, well, you got to stand before Jesus. <laughs> because here's the thing. Every person that has not taken the substitution of Jesus is going to stand before an angry God. And no one wants to fall in the hands of an angry God. No one. But the reality is someone needed to fall in the hands of an angry God. And so for God to satisfy his own anger and wrath, he came in the form of a man. And all of the wrath of the Father was poured out on Jesus Christ at the cross. All of it. All of it. I remember when I was a, I was a kid and, and uh, the, someone had handed one of the tracks. And, and, uh, and of course, you know, I was a kid. My understanding was limited. But maybe you saw one of these gospel tracks where the guy is in heaven and his life is on the big screen in heaven. Do you ever see that track? It's, it's, and so all of his sin was exposed for all of heaven to see. He was judged on that. But equally, I remember when I realized that Jesus Christ was executed in public and all of the shame 
And all of the things that I did were done to him. So that when I am before the almighty God, I do not have to be concerned about the stuff being rampant in public. Why? Because I am found in Christ. Now that's a discovery. And so many people need to discover that. Tim Keller says this. I, I like the way he says it. He says, Jesus lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. Why is this important? It's, it's a critical part of the gospel message of discovery for us because the beauty is now you can relax. You can rest easy because the shame, the anger was already poured out. And that really brings us to a place of satisfaction. The reason so many people are not satisfied in their walk with Jesus is because they've not become aware to sin and substitution. When you understand sin and substitution, you can't help but be satisfied because the God of heaven is satisfied, not in my knuckleheadness. We're talking about new words today. That could be a new word, knuckleheadness. Just when we make mistakes and we do things that are wrong, that has already been taken care of in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that I couldn't live. So now, the gospel truly becomes good news. And as someone once says, it's not good advice. Because good advice is basically what you should do. Good news is, what, news is what's already been reported on somebody else doing. Jesus has already taken care of it. And let me tell you something. If you're not aware of the power of the gospel at the very core, you're not going to grow very hard. Because growing is hard. Because you're going, why would I? Well, I don't have to. I don't have to fix it. Now all I have to do is I just need to find it. I need to find that dynamic in the Lord. And that really moves us to that grow peace, which has everything to do with access. But the access doesn't start with us. We always joke, and I say it, try to say it a number of different ways. And when we were doing our, our rounds at the different churches, I was, this is one thing I was always listening for. Make Jesus your personal Savior. Nothing makes me want to jump up quicker and just whack somebody in the back of the head for saying that. Because then it's all about you, not about him. I'm doing this. I'm bringing. But when we understand, though, that while our life ultimately is his life, and we are in him, it does start at us giving access to his life in us. It's, it's what Jack Hayford would call the Mary model. The Mary model, Mary's just sitting under a tree minding her own business. And an angel comes along and says, you're going to be uh, overshadowed from the most high God. And you're going to be with child. She, she became aware of something, but she said these important words. May it be so, as you have said. She opened up to the Lord and gave access to the Lord into her life. In that, in that parable, the ground, we're gonna get, we'll get to this you know, when we talk about this next, is the, the seed that she's got to find the ground that will open up and receive it. And here in this parable, Jesus is saying that, that when the, the sower goes out, he throws it on the ground. And once it's in the ground, it begins to produce. It had to have access in the first place. 
And, we, and once we have given that access, the spirit of the living God comes inside of us and life exists. Now we become even more aware of the separation. We become more aware of the, the depravity of our life before Jesus because as Paul said, the veil has been taken off and we see. But the reality is that we have this life in it and then that life begins to grow. Uh, you know, as, as our kids have been leaving home, uh, we just went out and got a dog, which, you know, uh, when, and, and if you, if you like the breed German Shepherd, one of the cool thing about German Shepherds is that when you bring them home as puppies, their ears do these weird things. And we never had to correct our dog to get her ears to grow straight. Because the DNA of the German Shepherd was already in her. And so the growth happened. Just like the DNA of Jesus Christ coming into us the growth begins to happen. And so this is why that John even refers back in his writing in 1 John. He said, this is how we know that we uh, live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And so we've gained. But here's the beauty of it. When, when he gains access, we gain access. Now in our life, we have things, we have things that are available so we can have this continual discovery. I, uh, I've done a number of them. Uh, has anybody ever done escape rooms? Escape rooms, are, they're, they're challenging, they're a lot of fun. But you, when you get in these, you know, these little small confined areas, there are clues. And you have to discover clues to open a secret door. A drawer or to open up a, a clock so you can ultimately open up the door. And as I was kind of pondering this, this really is kingdom living. Kingdom living is, is a life of discovering the secrets of the kingdom that allow us to, to get access and to grow in a greater dynamic. And every problem that's in your and I's life, every problem is an opportunity to discover and so if you're of the mindset that, you know, listen, I just don't want problems, well, that's great, but that's not life. You know, people ask all the time, is life good? I, sometimes if I'm in a mood, I'll say it the way I think it's said biblically, no, life's hard, but God's good. Read all the Psalms, that's all the Psalms just summarized right there. But what you find and how you get to that place, it's called discovery, Every time that Clarissa and I would have a challenge in marriage, uh, this is going to surprise some of you because you know me. She didn't bend to my will. In fact, in fact, she told me early on in marriage, she says you got to sleep sometime. She had her own holy marriage fear going there. But it wasn't about her. Ultimately, marriage is not about making you happy. For those of you that might be thinking about getting married here soon, it's about making you holy. And what happens is you begin to discover that, wait a minute, I think the problem is the other person, but because I've been given access, I can be in with the Spirit, and the Spirit begins to talk to me and begin to challenge me about my thought process that is an earthly process and not, an in, uh, not a kingdom process. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I've discovered that's maybe not the, the right way to go. The other beauty of it is, is that you have access more than on Sunday morning when you feel good. We have continual access. 
And so now, and I, I, I get it, we should all have our devoted time every day with the Lord. But the danger to that is you've done your devoted time and move on. When you understand that you have continual access, it doesn't matter if you're getting ready for a test. <laughs> you just go, I need the access so I can access my memory of what I've learned. You don't go to the Lord saying, I've not learned anything. Please give me all the answers. That's not how he works. But you can go to him and say, Lord, recall the things that I've learned. Bring it to my remembrance. Because we have this continual access to the Lord. You don't have to stand up in the middle of work and go, oh, Jesus, I just want to praise you and give you glory. And now I'm getting ready to go into my weekly meeting and I just need you to give me wisdom and guidance. No. You don't have to get like you're into a church service. Of course, if you've lived the altar supernatural model, you'll think that. But I would encourage you in this continual access to say, Lord, would you help me? I want you to be glorified. I, I don't know when this started with me. I, I just started recognizing that uh, the Bible's real killer. God is going to, with it or without you and I, he's going to glorify himself. And so I've been praying a number of different times. I've just said, God, you're going to glorify yourself. Would you help? Would you use me in, the, in that process? Would you use me in that process? Now we've, we've got this access and, and never, never like before in history, we've got to access more and more the light that we're walking in. We don't need to walk in darkness. You don't, you, you know, you're going to hear different people coming out and Jesus said, he'll, they'll say, there's the Christ and there's the Christ. There'll be deceptive teachings that will come. But if you walk in the light, there'll be a discernment. You'll begin to recognize that. You'll begin to say, okay, I recognize that access. We have continual access to victory. We have continual access to victory. When you're walking in light, the victories begin to change a little bit because now you're going, Lord, I want victory over this. I want victory over this part of my life. I don't want to go back to a controlling nature that I had before. I want victory over that. So you constantly access that victory in the Lord. Paul, he prayed it this way in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. How does that happen? Continual access. But the last piece is just the activity. This is where I want to end uh, today. It's, and it's simply an ABC to this, uh, this activity that we, that we begin to walk out and live out as we become aware, and as we begin to recognize this access that we've given and, and been given. And it's, first and foremost, we have to learn, and this is, a, this is a learning component for all of us, we have to learn the mystery of it. In that scripture, Jesus said that he, he goes to bed, he rises up, and it grows, and, and the scripture says he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. He knows not how. And in a world where uh, information has been so elevated, we tend to want to know how it's going to happen. People I've been with before, they, they say, well, once I know, then I can. Going all the way back to the Moses illustration, he didn't know that grace was going to part the sea until he got up over it. 
There was a mystery. He was given the instruction, but he didn't know. To this day, they don't know how the water parted. And there are things that the Lord wants to lead you into that you discover that are incredibly mysterious. So when God created Adam and Eve, there was a discovery with naming the animals. And then God uh, and, and Adam, they sit down together and, and Scripture says it this way. Scripture says, and there wasn't a mate uh, suitable for him. What's not in the scripture was the negotiation that went on between God and Adam. And, and I, I'm fully convinced that, that they start dialoguing and Adam's like, you got to get me a helpmate. And God said to him, man, that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And he says, well, what will you give me for a rib? Now, if you know any Jewish people, you know that story's probably not too far off. That was not, they're not going to find that in the Bible, by the way, for those of you wondering. But what he awoke and he discovered... He discovered a helpmate, and he went, whoa, man, woman, discovery. Now, along comes the devil, and the devil challenges them in the place of ultimately the mystery, because God did not create you and I to know everything. Now, if you've got somebody that immediately came to your mind that thinks they know everything, they don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. But the devil uses our lack of knowledge as a tempter, as a way to get in. So he goes to Adam and Eve, and he says, listen, God really doesn't want you to discover. He, does, he doesn't want you to, to, uh, to know what it really means to have the difference between good and evil. And here's the thing. God didn't. God was the, the one who understood that really ignorance is bliss. And listen, God wants to keep us ignorant at some level. That's counter this world. God knows that when we learn things, that it's detrimental to us. So he allows things to stay a mystery. So rather than combating it, why not just get in the habit of embracing it? How many times have you said to people when talking about spiritual things, I don't know. I don't know. There are a lot of things that I don't know. I don't know who it was that said it in regards to education, but the more you learn, the more you recognize you don't know. And there's a beauty in the mystery that God has set before us. And so embrace it. Next, just become a Jesus person. The, the, the seed, the seed worked. Notice that in that scripture, the very uh, part of it, it says these words. It says, um, I need to find it again, sorry. It said, the earth produced by itself. And if you look that, if you look that Greek word up used there, that's ultimately where we get uh, this, this word, uh, immediate, or uh, it's, um, uh, uh, what's the right word I was looking for there? There was this, um, um, this automatic, that was the word, it was automatic. 
And that's the beauty of being a Jesus person. The more you get to be a Jesus person, you find that there is automatically something different in your life. Whatever problem you're, you're facing, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever path the Lord has caused you to reach the end of yourself, when you, when you just go back to Jesus and you recognize it's all about Jesus, there's, there's something that automatically that happens. Why? Because the power of the fruit is in the seed, not in the earth. And there's an automatic thing about it. So it's all about Jesus, which is why I appreciate him. It's why Jesus is so important to me. It's why I value his relationship over everything else. This week I went to a funeral, pastor friend of mine in, in Burleson, his wife passed away. And, uh, and the one part of the, the funeral that just blew me away was his wife's song, her kind of marriage song uh, to the both of them. And it, it's, it basically the song is, goes to something a little like this. Uh, I love you, but I love you second best. Because the one I love the best is Jesus, and I know the same as you. And it, it's just, it's, if you ever looked that up on YouTube, it's, a, it's, a, it's an old song. But it's really a beautifully worded song. And I pray that for you, that Jesus is always number one. That, that the, reason, the reason I grow in relationship with my wife or my children or coworkers or people that I, that I walk with that who, who are not followers of Jesus, they're always second to Jesus. Every word that comes out of my mouth, every, every action that my, st- my feet take or my hands take, take because of Jesus, knowing that while Jesus is physically, literally in heaven right now, I'm going to physically, literally be in front of him one day. And so there's just some automatic things that begin to happen. And the third thing is, is the C, and that's just simply to cultivate a, a spiritual sensitivity. Let's cultivate it. Remember that years ago, we lived in this hick town called Sholo, and, um, and you knew it was a hick town because back when you had to go to a store to get videotapes to watch movies at home, Okay, you know, while the rest of the world had uh, Blockbuster, we had Videodome. It was just this, like these 1960 triangle dome building with a look like an igloo door going in the front. And we would go, go there and, and rent movies. And I remember that I was going to rent this movie and I, and I looked at it and the Holy Spirit just said to me in, in such a, a, just a sensitive way, just not yelling at me, nothing like that. He said, you going to make me watch that with you? There was an immediacy in that moment. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to make you watch that, which resulted in me not watching that. Because I, I'm always saying, Lord, I want to be more sensitive to your voice, to that which you're saying. And so a big part of this activity is that we're constantly saying, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to know you. And you would begin to discover things. He begins to make you more aware of things. He begins to show you you have access in this moment. In fact, actually next week, and uh, Bill's going to kind of just echo this Holy Spirit sensitivity, uh, sensitivity piece uh, a little bit more. But if you were here or you watched or stayed connected to the video announcements, we got two things coming up that are very, uh, one was on the video announcements, very critical to this sensitivity piece. On, on September 11th in the evening, we're doing a thing called Ignite because intercession and the prophetic are critical pieces to igniting change in others. 
where you recognize what God is saying and you begin to speak that. In our, in our world of, of social media, there are plenty of voices out there that are nothing more than an echo. But if you'll cultivate a spiritual sensitivity, you will speak the, na- the things that the God of the universe is speaking, and that will cause an echo everywhere it goes. Then on the 25th, again on Sunday night, we're doing a thing called Fan the Flame. Uh, I-, I was thinking as we were worshiping today, do you know, we love Marco, we love the worship team, this is not anything there, but we can do it without him. We can. Worship, our worship doesn't require us singing songs. And when you know how to worship the Lord Monday through Saturday, when you come on Sunday, oh, okay, cool. I'll go with you there, but I don't need you there. And so if, you're, if you come on a Sunday morning and you need the music to be right, if you need a move of the Spirit, well, then you need to know what it means to fan the flame every day. Because when you're in a living, loving, learning relationship with Jesus Christ, he's always helping you discover moments of him that don't require you to be in a, in a church building to experience the powerful presence of the Almighty God. Because listen, I'm going to finish with the very statement I started out with. You and I, we're only as spiritual as we want to be. And I pray over these next number of weeks that you will join us in growing in our own spirituality, becoming more like Jesus. So would you stand with me? Lord, uh, we say yes and amen to your plans and purposes. Would you just say that to the Lord? We say yes to you. Yes to you, Lord. Yes to your plans and purposes. Lord, we know that, Lord, we, we, we can easily be fat and happy, but Lord, would you stretch us and recognize the, the situations that you're putting in us that cause us to become uh, more aware so that, Lord, we don't have to try to fix anything, but we can find a dynamic of you that is real, true, and powerful. That, Lord, we can recognize, Lord, that, that Lord, we've been given access in these moments so that, Lord, so that once, what once sprouted is now growing and beginning to produce fruit as, Lord, we are continuing in the activity of the Lord. Lord, I pray that, that we would receive the message. And, and I just, I'm, I'm praying it, but I, I'm praying it because I feel some, somebody needs to hear this again, that we need to just embrace the mystery of it all. We don't have to know it all. So we, we embrace the mystery of this growth that is happening inside of us as Jesus Christ makes himself known in and through us in a greater capacity than ever before. And Lord, I, as we prayed last week and even the week before, Lord, that we would grow in our sensitivity, that we would recognize that, Lord, you're at work, not just on church on Sunday, but every day. And that, Lord, you've given us opportunities to grow in those moments. And so thank you for helping us in, in Jesus' name. If you prayed that at any level, say amen. All right, well, let's, let's sing that song, Grace on Top of Grace, one more time. Is that what we're singing? Let's sing that one more time.
For my sin and penalty, at the cross you took my place, with your grace on top of grace. Hallelujah, I am free from my sin. All right, I might get in trouble for this, but Charles, you want to come up here a second? So, you know, we talk about igniting change, and we all ignite change differently for the glory of God. And Charles is getting ready to go to Italy this next week. And uh, this, is, this is not a new story for Charles by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but he's uh, making sure a church gets started in a place, where is it? Bessaquina. Bessaquina? Which is, is that northern part? Sicily. In the center of Sicily. So he, he feels the Lord say to do this. He had to go get uh, citizenship in order to buy the building in order to put this church there. And so uh, it's been now certainly a year or better that that's maybe longer that you've been working on this. But this week he's getting ready to go close on it and follow up on the construction and everything. So we're going to pray God's blessing on him as he goes and, and does this for the glory of God. So Father, thank you for uh, the calling that you place on our life that, Lord, is not found, uh, Lord, with a title, uh, but is found smack dab in the middle of the greatest name that has ever existed, the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray blessing upon blessing upon blessing that, Lord, as you are glorifying yourself in Sicily, in the middle of Sicily, that, Lord, you have called and allowed Charles 
to Alice to be a part of that. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord. I pray uh, that you will bless him, that you will bless him first and foremost physically, that, Lord, he is able to accomplish physically everything that you've called him to. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you will allow him to see the open doors that you desire for him to walk through, that you give him the wisdom and the guidance in that, and that, Lord, above all else, Lord, that, Lord, he will be spiritually enriched and grow through this whole process, Lord, as he's obedient to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. Thank you, buddy. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.